Warning, this podcast contains adult language and violent material that may not be suitable for younger or more sensitive listeners. You have been warned. Welcome back to the Condemned Asylum, nestled amongst the dark and twisted pines. This spooky show. And we are the inmates who run said asylum, the ghoul babes. I'm the captain of crazy. <laughs> Hello, captain of crazy. <laughs> it's Captain Crunch of crazy, excuse me. <laughs> I thought you said crunchy crazy. I'm just like, my fat ass goes, ooh, that sounds delicious. <laughs> ooh, that sounds good with milk. <laughs> Got a brand new cereal or some shit. Mm. Crunchy crazy. Does it have marshmallows? Is it covered in chocolate? It better have marshmallows. <laughs> marshmallows and chocolate. So intros. How wonderful life is. Now I'm in the world. I'm Lauren. This Valentine's Day, I enjoyed long romantic walks to the fridge. I'm Jade. And I will do anything for love, but I won't do that. I'm Vivian. So as expected. As expected really should be expected at this it point really should be expected at this point the eternal sacrifice is back spooky nation yes the thorn in our collective sides that we just can't seem to dislodge no matter how much we pick at it and it's starting to fester so listen this week i'm just gonna wail on him with a crowbar and see what happens cool 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 here's quincy hi guys not gonna ask how i got out of it this time no i don't know do, do you want to tell us just was hitchhiking up to Pacific Northwest like you told me to. And when I started running run out of my beans that I was carrying in my little satchel, some big hairy dude with really big bare feet helped me out. You, you know. got you got rescued by Sasquatch? Sasquatch? What? Huh? God damn it. We didn't take into account Bigfoot. Aw, oh, man. He's such a gentle creature, too. <laughs> <laughs> That's Wookie. Whatever. <laughs> what the fuck ever. How can you prove Bigfoot wasn't Wookie? Exactly. You know that's a good point. Wookie turns out to be an Ewok with really big feet. Oh my god, that's Ooh. unsettling. That is highly It's like multiple Ewoks on each other's shoulders. So it's like a Furby? No, it's an Ewok. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not a Furby. <laughs> Got it. Ewoks are better. <laughs> the weird ass beak and everything. Oh, oh, oh no. I'm just imagining short, hairy, and giant ass feet. Furby. Furby. E-Day. Dance. Dance. <laughs> you can't see, but I did the Furby She dance. did the Furby dance. She did. She really did. Dance. So last week, we left off with a troubling fact. No. Two troubling facts. One, Ted Bundy had kidnapped, raped, and murdered at least 18 women to date across Washington, Oregon, Colorado, and Utah before his apprehension and arrest. And two... Bundy had escaped jail, and no one knew where he was, or that he was even gone. But maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves. After all, this was his second escape, and before we discuss how Bundy did finally get away successfully, let's revisit his initial escape from jail in Aspen, Colorado. He had a modicum of freedom while he was on trial in Aspen since he was assisting in his own defense. The judge did not require him to wear the shackles and leg irons that were customary. He was free to move between his cell and the law library in order to do research. Bundy had seen the opportunities for escape many times and had given it brief thought. On June 7, 1977, he put those plans into base action. Bundy was locked in the law library alone at the Pitkin County Courthouse by sheriff's deputies. 
He jumped out the second story window, which had been left open. He fled into the mountains, but was pulled over after stealing a car and was apprehended after six days of freedom. He was moved to the Garfield County Jail in Colorado Springs in an effort to keep the elusive convict in one place. This would prove futile. Inside his cell, there was a grate that had not been properly secured. There was also a light fixture that was loose and had been due to be welded, but had not been in the time that Bundy occupied the cell. No doubt he noticed these weaknesses and strategically began dropping a lot of weight. Quote, when I visited him in Glenwood, I noticed that he had lost a lot of weight, said John Henry Brown, Bundy's former defense attorney. I'd say he lost 20 or 25 pounds. I would think this would have come to the attention of the jailers, perhaps. Why is he doing this? I just, I just want to know what his, what his diet plan was. And, you know, if he like, know, right? worked right. out sweating to the oldies, you know. I don't. It, he's in a cell, so I can't imagine it would be something very aerobic intensive because you, you can't move a lot. Right. <laughs> he's just doing old lady tai chi. There he's just go. doing tai chi. <laughs> very slow, calming tai chi moves. And they're just kind of like, okay, well, you know Bundy. Yeah, you know, you know Ted. You know Ted. Doing his yoga. Just Bundy things, guys. (laughs) Just Just Bundy things. (laughs) Tumblr.com. No, always. (laughs) He's just like not eat. I think probably. And I'd imagine they probably just thought like, well, maybe he's going on a hunger strike because not the first, you know, inmate to do such a thing. (laughs) You ain't the first and you ain't the last. And you're not going to be the last one. Eventually you'll eat because you're just not going to starve yourself to death because that's just... That's how it goes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But the answer to why he was doing this would come on December 30th, 1977. The jail staff was already limited due to the upcoming holiday. Many had New Year's off already. So there were limited patrols. Bundy carved an opening in the ceiling of his cell slightly wider than it was so he could squeeze through. Being a significant amount of pounds lighter, no doubt assisted that tight squeeze. He would arrange some law books in the bed and cover them with a blanket to look like a body was lying there. He would crawl his way through the ducts, just like in a Hollywood prison escape film, and down into the jailer's apartments, which were currently vacant. Bundy would then change into civilian clothes and vanish into the night. And they give you like an idea on how much weight he lost. Obviously, he said the 20 to 25, but they estimate that the hole was about 12 inches by 12 inches. Yes, wow. it was 12 inch by 12 yeah. inch hole. And he was five foot eleven and about a hundred and forty pounds at the time his escape. His escape. Yeah. Okay, string bean. Yeah. Okay. Ted Bundy, skinny legend. But he right. But he looked. <laughs> but like when they brought him back, he looked like haggard and bad. It wasn't even like, a, oh, you look fit, honey. It was like, no, you look like you look like you're starved yeah. yourself. You look yeah. emaciated. Yeah, oh, you look Ted, bad. You look like shit. You look like <laughs> shit, Ted. Well, that may have had something to do with the fact that he was running around for six days in the wilderness with no shoes. In the it woods. rained in the woods. In the woods, woods mama. mama. <laughs> like, it rained, it was cold, and then he stole a car, basically. He admitted in the tapes that the reason he went back, because they were like, you could have made it out. Why did you go back? And he was like, well, it was cold. It was raining. It was cold. I got disoriented. I went into shock because I was so cold and I was hungry. He's like, so I stole a car and I figured, well, what happens happens and like drove back into town. And that's when he got nabbed. Like, How are you going to fend for yourself out in the wilderness when you don't eat anything? We well, didn't have any shoes. Well, that too. Yeah. Either. But like Bundy. <laughs> Honey. Think. You. Think why? before you... I mean, at least take shoes before you go. Yeah. At least take shoes before you go. <laughs> I sound like but concerned that... parents. Like, at least take a sweater. Take your sweater. <laughs> it's cold out there. So that was the first escape. But the second one was obviously a little bit more like he actually got clothes and changed clothes and, and got out. So 
Bundy himself claimed that the escape, the second escape, was sloppy and sheer luck. And reading his account on how long it took him to acquire a stolen car and how someone had helped him once said stolen vehicle broke down in the snow, luck may be the only way to explain such fortuitous circumstances. He made his way to the airport and almost narrowly missed a flight to Chicago, making it by the skin of his teeth. He actually said he escaped jail at seven Mm o'clock and didn't get a car until 11 at night. So he was out running around, like checking, like pulling doors and stuff Mm -hmm. and looking for a car with like snow tires, I think he said, or chains Mm -hmm. until 11. He was out for four hours, just up and down the streets looking for a car to steal and did not get caught in that entire time. Looking like hell. (laughs) <laughs> yeah no shoes no I'm this time sure. he had shoes oh, okay. I think. Sorry, sorry. the first time he didn't but this time he did but it was like still you don't think a guy like going up and down the streets pulling on all these door handles and looking for a car to steal like no one no that really attracts a significant amount of attention but to be like, fair it was, was like luck. the 30th and it was maybe people were at new year's parties and nobody's really yeah. out and paying attention yeah okay they're all too blitzed to really yeah. know what's going on anyway it's the new year yay yay <laughs> Yay, serial killer escaped. Yay. Yay. <laughs> new year, new me. Serial killer on the loose. That was what Bundy was thinking, dropping all the weight. New, new year, year, new me. New me. <laughs> he was in Chicago long before the jail in Colorado Springs noticed he'd escaped. The lack of extra security at the airport and how Bundy had been able to board a plane so quickly underscored the change in times from then to now. Today, there would be no way that Bundy would not have been apprehended the moment he tried to board a plane without any kind of identification. But this was long before the era of terrorism that we find ourselves in today. And simply by placing down cash, Bundy was able to buy a ticket that night and get on a plane far out of the reach of the authorities who didn't even know he was missing. Like, he did, there was no airport checks of nothing. Not he a- just walked into the airport in Denver and, like, plopped down money and was like, plane ticket, please. And then was, like, on a plane within, like, you know, like, right then. They're like, like all just right, now. just get out of our airport. Shit. Yeah, it wasn't like, <laughs> arrive at the airport two hours early, take off your belt and your shoes. Like, none <laughs> of that. Like, just money, plane ticket, gone. I mean, honestly, knowing No how... luggage, not weird, yeah. gone. Oh, no. <laughs> like, I'm just not even going to question it. This is above my pay grade. <laughs> Here. Well, Take the and fucking ticket. what was crazy, too, is because he the car he stole, the one he violently decided on with snow tires, was a tiny car. Uh-huh. And it got lodged in the snow. It broke down. Mm-hmm. It, like, overheated and broke down. Right outside of Vail, I think. Mm-hmm. And somebody pulled over and helped him push the car off the side of the road. He ended up, like, riding with this person to a motel because the pass was snowed in. And no- didn't get caught in this entire time. And nobody was just kind of like, hey, buddy, you know who you look like? Yeah. But you couldn't be. You're, you're a skinny you're guy. You're supposed to be in jail now. <laughs> you're so a skinny can't guy, be you. too. <laughs> it was so crazy. It was like like a series of unfortunate events and like, nope. And not even cute ones. Like, not even like a charming children's series. No, this was like serial killer escape into the wild terror time and like nope nobody caught him to be fair though in series of unfortunate events that's pretty much what happened i mean true i love that series. <laughs> not inaccurate <laughs> from chicago bundy traveled to ann arbor michigan he claimed he had been in a state of mania from the time he had escaped until he got to michigan and spent time in a bar there on january 2nd blending in with others who are watching the rose bowl Looking around the tavern, seeing the cheerful people and the couple standing close together, Bundy said he felt that energy and high drive from his manic state slowly start to slip away, leaving him in a familiar low state of lethargy. 
he would be diagnosed with bipolar disorder a few years later. He was diagnosed bipolar years and years later, I think, when he was on either when he was on death row or between trials like he was analyzed but they were like did you know he's bipolar and it's like okay well that makes sense because you know obviously mental illness kind of ran in the family so right but he does like when he talks about his mood shifts in this time period it's very like obviously manic depressive like very like he was like he's like i would be like high energy high energy high energy and then like all of it's gone and he goes i didn't get depressed but like it would go into like low energy just didn't want to do anything right like mm-hmm. no motivation just Familiar. very like and i was like yeah. bitch been there yeah so we've been new <laughs> we've been new ted we've been new we got this five days later he would steal a car and drive to atlanta he would abandon the car in an urban neighborhood with the keys in it and boarded a bus to tallahassee florida The bus station at Tallahassee was flooded with students returning to Florida State University for the spring semester. This was just the environment that Bundy darkly thrived in. He rented a room near the campus under the alias Chris Hagen. He didn't have much money left in his reserve that he had accumulated while in jail after having to spend a good portion of it on travel and board. He resolved to find legitimate employment and keep off the radar of the authorities. After all, he had just made his way onto the FBI's 10 most wanted list. It didn't matter to Ted... He had always considered the organization overrated. I am Chris Hagen. Why don't you have a seat right over there? God damn it, Chris Hagen. <laughs> God damn it, Chris Hagen. <laughs> I know that's handsome, but still, the joke remains. It's, the joke stands. Still, he wanted to lay low. He knew that he could likely remain free in Florida for as long as he wanted under an alias, so long as he did not have any run-ins with the police. But luck that followed him on the heels of his escape seemed to evaporate suddenly when his sole job application, one on a construction site, had asked him to provide identification. The idea of remaining law-abiding and legitimate fell by the wayside, and he would revert to his old habits of shoplifting and stealing credit cards from wallets left idle in shopping carts. Bundy had been incarcerated for his prior crimes in Utah and Colorado for a period of about 18 months. And in that time, while Bundy seemed to thrive in a prison environment, he had not been able to indulge the dark impulses that had driven him to take at least one woman a month for the years before his capture. Why and how an individual would select women as victims of brutal crime is is not entirely clear to me. I'm most friendly with men. I probably have 60% Women friends, opposed to forty percent men friends, if we divide it that way. I enjoy them. But now he was free, and he could indulge, and indulge he did indeed. Oh, Bundy! Oh, Ted! Addict on a oh, bender, you. right? He just went off the wagon entirely. Bundy Unge- bender TM. Oof, rough. It, this is a rough one. Okay, so. Again, content warning, content warning, extra content warning. We're getting back into some gory details Mm -hmm. and some very graphic descriptions of crime scenes and things that occurred during the Florida murders. So definitely just, you know, be warned, be warned. This is not pleasant material. So heads up, y'all. If you don't Mm want to listen to it, just skip forward a little bit. Yeah, it'll be okay. But then you're going to be real confused on the story. Like, oh, how the hell did we end up here? It's rough. On January 15, 1978, in the early hours of the morning, Bundy entered the Chi Omega sorority house on the Florida State University campus through a back door that had a faulty lock. In his hand was a large piece of oak firewood. Women slept serenely in the house, completely unaware that the specter of death had just walked into their midst, unaware that two of them would not live to see the morning light. 
At around 2.45 a.m., Bundy came upon 21-year-old Margaret Bowman and bludgeoned her with a piece of firewood as she slept. He then garroted her with a piece of nylon stockings, strangling her to death. He would then enter the bedroom of 20-year-old Lisa Levy, still at the manic height of his rage. He beat her unconscious and strangled her. He would savagely bite deeply into her left buttock, not once, but twice, and tear off one of her nipples while he sexually assaulted her with a hairspray bottle. The bloodlust had yet to be satiated, though, and in an adjoining bedroom, he would encounter Kathy Kleiner and Karen Chandler. He would strike Kleiner and break her jaw savagely, also deeply lacerating her shoulder. She recalls that she tried to talk or scream, but couldn't. Quote, my jaw was broken in three places, she said later. Her jaw had been broken so severely that one of the security patrols that came to the house following the attack recalled, quote, her jaw was actually hanging off on one side. It was only, only one hinge was still attached. She was totally incoherent and in shock, unquote. And everybody around the table here collectively cringed and held their nipples. And held their nipples and so their jaws you know. a little bit. Ooh, yeah. My jaw kind of hurts, actually. <laughs> and I don't I, know why. <laughs> I will say, reading that, the only thing that like kept it light for me was thinking about when Vivian told the story of uh, yawning and her jaw yes. locking up. My jaw locking up. It was horrible. I was like, okay. Also, if I, I think of that, it's not so bad. Right. Okay, well, if it helps, then I do have a funny nipple-tearing story. No. Uh, <laughs> how, um, how do these things go together? I have a funny together? one, too. It's <laughs> not my story, but I'll tell it. Ooh. Yours um, might be better than mine. I doubt it. Okay. So I knew somebody who had his nipples pierced in college. I swear to God, if our stories link up. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh my God. If it's the same person, that's going to be real weird. Um, I went to UNLV, and he had his nipples pierced, both of them, I think. And he was playing basketball and got one of them ripped out while playing basketball. And his nipple was in two halves for three months. <laughs> okay. Ours <Whoa>. isn't. <laughs> was a Muppet mouth. <laughs> Ours doesn't leak, but it's singing. so close. I had a friend that went to Extreme Thing, and there was a guy that was bullying people in the mosh pit, throwing them down, be, just being an asshole. Mm-hmm. And he had his shirt off, and he had his nipples pierced, and so my friend just slid his ring finger up right in just, the nipple ring and just ripped it right off. And he deserved it. <laughs> when the guy like finished freaking out and like stopped and was looking around, my friend just kind of held it up and handed it back to him and walked away. <laughs> Here's your nipple. Here's your nipple, sir. <laughs> Yeah, my friend goes, he goes, yeah, it took like three months for the pieces to heal back together. <laughs> I just love that he had like a nipple mouth. He did. It was a Muppet mouth. It looked like a Kermit mouth. And how like... Uh, I wish it had been the same guy. That would have been hilarious. Oh, that would have been amazing. That story. would have been Especially if it amazing. was like, if it was not once but twice his nipple got ripped out. I love not it. again! No, I would have loved it if you were like, yeah, I have a friend who's a bit of an asshole and likes to bully people in the, like, in the mosh pits. And we're like, we have a friend that likes to check people. <laughs> Funny coincidence. And I listened to both these stories holding my boobs. Holding ow. Your boobs. ow. Yeah. yeah I'm holding my boobs too. I was like, why? That and just no. Awful. Yeah. He said it hurt pretty bad. I was like, I imagine so. I would imagine so. <laughs> I think he also pierced his own nipple. I don't know why. I don't know. At least oh, I don't know. That sounds like infection. That's probably why his nipple ripped so easy. Probably. It's not done properly. <laughs> now, in the world of nipple piercing and other piercing, piercing your nipple yourself is probably not the worst one you could do yourself yeah that's not the worst one you could do on your own that's for sure i'm thinking (laughs) i'm thinking and crossing my legs right now 
Ooh. <laughs> I didn't go there. Oh, I went there. Oh, I did. I too. was thinking of like tongue because that's also one that you could severely get infected. I'm oh, giving myself too. a prince. Oh! <laughs> a prince. Ah! <laughs> Even finish the word. And now back to murder. Karen Chandler would be attacked also, suffering a concussion, a crushed finger, and a broken jaw with several teeth knocked out. She was on the floor and bleeding badly from head injuries when she had been discovered in the bedroom. Both Kleiner and Chandler would survive the attack, which they attributed to a car's headlights that had come up the drive outside, illuminating their bedroom. The attacker, sure he had been seen, fled. Authorities would determine later that the frenzy of attacks had taken less than 15 minutes and had happened with an earshot of 30 potential witnesses who heard nothing. Perhaps the interruption of his driven attack and his pent-up rage that remained unspent caused him to seek out another victim after fleeing from the Chi Omega house. Eight blocks away, Bundy would break into the basement apartment of Florida State University student Cheryl Thomas. He would beat her, dislocating her shoulder and fracturing her jaw and skull in five places. She would survive also, but was left with permanent deafness and damage to her equilibrium that ended her dance career. He's getting ballsy here. He's just off on a bender. He's yeah, just he's like, he's completely just manic, unhinged. completely this unhinged. Is 100% the behavior of an addict who has been kept maybe in rehab against yeah. their will, mm-hmm. and then suddenly breaks out and is just on the long world's longest bender. Mm-hmm. Yes. All that time pent up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Unable to act on the entity is what he ended up, who called it. Bundy had been wearing a makeshift mask made from nylon stockings when he attacked Thomas. It was found discarded on her bed, along with a semen stain. Two hairs that were, quote, similar to Bundy's in class and characteristic were found on the mask as well. Neighbors of Thomas had been alerted to her distress and the attack, and Thomas credited their trying to contact her as the only reason she survived. Debbie Sicarelli was Cheryl Thomas's neighbor at the house where Bundy had slipped in that morning. She said, quote, I woke up to this loud pounding. It was just a real loud banging sound. We could hear Cheryl moaning, whimpering. I called Cheryl. We could hear the phone ringing because the wall was so thin, but she wasn't answering her phone. Again, Bundy fled once he realized that his presence had been noticed by potential witnesses. He vanished as abruptly as he had appeared, leaving an unhinged and frenzied swath of death and destruction in his wake on that quiet January morning but it would not be the last time that women in Florida would be terrorized by Ted Bundy. On February 8th, he would drive east to Jacksonville in a stolen FSU van. In a parking lot, he would encounter 14-year-old Leslie Parmenter, the daughter of a Jacksonville Police Department's chief of detectives. He would produce false identification in the form of a badge he had countless times before in order to win a victim's unwavering trust. This time, he claimed he was, quote, Richard Burton, fire department, but he quickly retreated when Parmenter's older brother arrived and challenged him. That same afternoon, unsatisfied and stymied in his attempt to kidnap Parmenter, he backtracked to Lake City, Florida. It was here where he would encounter his last and final victim, 12-year-old Kimberly Leach. Hold up. No, go ahead. Richard Burton? Yes. Fire Department? Burton. Burton. Burt. Burt. Like burnt? Yeah. But what? Richard Dick Burton. But here's the thing. Richard <laughs> He burned his dick. But Richard Burton's an actor's name too. Like yes. an old actor's name. And I'm like, dude, nobody picked up on that fact. So you haven't really watched Supernatural. If you pay attention, all their fake names are either movie references or uh classic Music. rock. Oh, so James like one of the, one of the first uh, uh episodes, uh he introduces himself as I'm Agent Ford and this is my partner, uh Hamill. Yeah, which is 
awesome. They also do uh, Scully and Mulder. Mm-hmm. That's great. Uh, there's one where they get busted where someone goes, isn't that the drummer from Aerosmith or something like that? <laughs> He's like, uh, yeah. Yeah. I that a lot, <laughs> yeah. actually. Totally me. But I just love uh, Richard Burton, Fire Department. That is my full name. My parents named me Fire Department. <laughs> Fire Department. That is my last name. I, I had no so choice. To work at the grocery store. <laughs> I had no choice but to be Fire Department. Fire Department. <laughs> I am a Fire Department. Richard Burton. Fire Department. That sounds like a really bad, like, NBC do- like, dro- docudrama. Well, I was totally thinking. Like, Law and Order. Mall Cop. Yeah, like, Law and Order. <laughs> law and Order. Out. <laughs> Criminal Intent. Richard Burton. Fire Department. <laughs> this fall on NBC. Rather than, like, taking his glasses off, putting them on type of thing, it's putting that big-ass helmet on. Helmet. helmet yeah! <laughs> and then the who the kicks in. Yeah. Some song we've never heard from them before like, where they're singing about a... fires. And I was yeah. like, wait a minute. Did the they who? make this for this? Uh, the Who did a song about fire? What the fuck? What, what did they fucking find? Sure. Was this a B-side? He was written for a movie that True. got canceled. So. Was this a B-side? I don't was remember this, this song. No, this is an F-side. <laughs> oh. 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 Wow. That's why no F one's ever heard fire. it. F yeah. is for fire. F is for fire. <laughs> <laughs> guys. Guys, F is for fire. What letter does fire start with? I think it starts with a. <laughs> so pH. <laughs> so fire with the pH. Oh wow! Fire. <laughs> fire. fire. And now you know, you know why there's a spit guard on my microphone. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. on my mic. So I'm That's all right. That's fine. <laughs> on the 9th of February in the morning, Kimberly Leach was asked to return to her homeroom by a teacher to retrieve a forgotten purse. She never returned to class after that. And in fact, the young girl was never seen alive again. Seven weeks later, her mummified remains were found near a pig farrowing shed near Suwannee State Park. She had been brutally raped and killed. Underwear found discarded near her body showed traces of semen. This suggested that she had been stripped, then oddly redressed before being stripped again. It was then, perhaps, that Bundy began to suspect that his time as a free man was running short. He had fallen behind in his rent and didn't have the cash to cover his room and board, so he fled Tallahassee in a stolen car on February 12th, driving west across the panhandle. No doubt his plan had been to start over after escaping authorities, as he had already done in Utah, get to another college town, and start his cycle of hunting all over again. But this time, Bundy's luck had run out. Three days after fleeing, he was pulled over by a Pensacola police officer, David Lee, near the Alabama state line, after a wants and warrants check showed that the Volkswagen Beetle he was driving had been stolen. When Lee told Bundy he was under arrest, Bundy kicked Lee's legs out from under him and took off running. Lee fired two warning shots before giving chase. He would tackle Bundy, both men struggling over Lee's gun, before Bundy was finally subdued and handcuffed. How difficult was that, considering he was only like 140? Buck forty. Well, he might have gained weight after yeah, this. After this he escaped, point, he yeah, probably is put weight back on because he maybe? looked fairly normal when they brought him into jail at Pensacola. Like he looked back to normal weight. Okay, gotcha. But like I, the cop said, uh, David Lee said when he fired because like he said Bundy turned and he's like, all I saw was like a nickel, like a flash, like of metal. He goes, mm-hmm. and I thought he had a gun, so he's like, I fired, and then I thought I shot him. And then he's like, I went over to check to see if I shot him. And that's when he jumped up, grabbed my arm, and we started fighting over the mm-hmm. gun. He's like, and it was a big, like, police revolver. So he's like, so when I swung back, I hit him. 
with it. He goes in uh-huh. in the photos you see right after his there was like a big bruise on his face mm-hmm. where Dang, he got hit awesome, by the I see. yeah. <laughs> he kind of like fell down and I guess pretended to be shot and they was like oh shit like hold on and then was like rah and then they struggle 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 and then whap gun and then done. I don't believe he went rah. <laughs> I went, rah. totally had that orchestrated because he was like my life is gonna be a biopic someday and that's yeah. gonna be it's my um, dramatic escape. <laughs> yeah, that part is going to be amazing. Everyone's gonna scream. It's gonna be. Wonderful. <laughs> uh, question: Was Bundy trying to get a Volkswagen uh, sponsorship? I think he might have been. Like, he had a thing for Volkswagen bugs. That's for sure. He probably knew how to hotwire. I think he knew how to hotwire and Maybe. how to steal them. Yeah, probably. And was used to like, well, when you're transporting victims in him too, he was used to like how to transport a victim easily in that. Like right. he knew how mm-hmm. to take the seats out, obviously, and like. What, he like knew his way Volkswagen? around that car, huh? <laughs> it's like what, like the back of a Volkswagen? Somewhere <laughs> really uncomfortable. <laughs> so just, eh. It's Herbie. Yeah, yeah that's probably why Herbie. he looked like looked specifically for them, just I because mean, he knew them so well. Trunk yeah. space on that thing. Well, the trunk was in the front yeah. on the Volkswagen, and not the engine big. was in the back. So the trunk was well. I don't know. The trunk I felt like was was actually bigger because it was in the front of the car. Like it was where the hood, yeah. the, bo- the bonnet. Yes. As they say in England. Uh-huh. Uh, it was on the front of the car, but the engine was tiny. It was in the back. Mm-hmm. But that's why, like, a lot of Volkswagens, they had some issues with some cars, but they would get rear-ended and they would catch fire <laughs> because they would, uh, the engine was, like, stuck in the back and it was really close. There was, like, Pintos no space. Pintos would explode Pintos because would the explode. gas cap the... sat behind the bumper. Yeah. They would... Yeah. Which was dumb. Which I'm was pretty dumb. sure they did more than... 70s but cars. Still, 70s believe. cars were kind of cool, and then some of them were really fucking dumb. Maybe he just liked them. <laughs> He's I like, definitely had a thing for Volkswagen I could, Beetles. I could use that one, but uh, that one's really It was cool. so that if his first hit didn't knock you out, he could just claim Slugbug. Slugbug! Oh! <laughs> gotcha. Oh, she sorry, was, miss. I, sorry, I miss. I thought you were playing Slugbug. I thought we were playing Slugbug. I, I misunderstood the signals. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I didn't realize that I couldn't use a crowbar. The rules were never <laughs> The clear. rules were never... I, this was never established what to me, mean, okay? you never used a crowbar in your family? <laughs> <laughs> that's how we always played it okay it's back in the oldie days <laughs> i'm just saying that uh volkswagen should have changed their name to to bundy mobile <laughs> i was gonna say bunswagen Bunswagen. But... <laughs> Bunswagen. i'm yes, not sure that's a selling point yeah i don't, I don't know they should have changed their name for that <laughs> drive the car that bundy drove no no <laughs> that's, like that's like leaving the advertisement with drive the car hitler design i mean no. that was also a volkswagen <laughs> yeah it was so it's people's car. yeah uh, german engineering tank was his thought process that's why the engine's in the back yeah uh, and then, it would definitely appeal to a certain kind of market. Yes, not the, yeah. not the market you want, but a certain market. Right, <laughs> but the market you deserve. <laughs> that, and like, I just remember in German that Volkswagen is called Vauve. Vauve? Like, it's because the VW, and that's how you say the letters. Mm-hmm. It's Vauve. Mm-hmm. I just remember that from German class. Don't know why. <laughs> that's in there. That's in there, and it's not leaving. That's cool. Just imagine. That's like me and Cool Schonk. It's the fridge, but it literally means cold closet yeah um oh it's like you taught me about a uh, del taco yesterday oh yeah <laughs> del taco in spanish literally means of the snack yeah in snack. spanish which i didn't know that taco means snack taco means snack i didn't know interesting i did not it's know that it's a little translation means snack of the snack <laughs> you speak spanish please confirm um but just imagine how that easy- was shade but okay <laughs> no, i was gonna Fucking continue. We looked at each other. I over believe the mic, you, like... but like I've never heard that before. 
It could just be somebody <laughs> lying. I don't know. Someone's trying to tell you taco means snack just to see if you believe it. <laughs> no, not like specifically her. But like if people put things on the internet. Anyway, my point this was... was before. Bitch, this was before the internet. This was in like high school Spanish. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I forgot about the taping. You forgot I was old as fuck. You know, I, I mean, I still always. Think that adds up. I don't think that was before the internet. Before Google, sure. I mean, yeah, the internet wasn't great back then. Let's just say <laughs> okay, that. There you go. Guys, what happened to Ted Bundy? I don't know. <laughs> I was just going to say that imagine how easy Charlie Manson would to catch. Apologizing he was in, a in advance. <laughs> Instead of a VW bus. That would seem well. That seemed to be oh, hey VW bus speed up bug. I'm starting to think they were just cheap. I mean Can that we? could be. I don't know how much Volkswagen cars were back then. I mean yeah, it was technically an import. I don't know. I'd have to look it up. So thirty five hundred dollars in 1976, which was closer to when Bundy had one. As somebody who is dirt wagon oaky smoky poor, I could get that. I mean I'd have to save for it. Obviously I'm poor. Patreon. Hey. Hey. <laughs> Help me get a murder bus. <laughs> Didn't did Kevorkian have one too? Yes, he did. Didn't I'm he? seeing a pattern here. The exchange rate would be about it would be uh, for time it comes out to about twenty grand now, which is still cheaper than like my car. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so. is that how much? Because I know they're stopping production. Actually, this it's either this year or next year on the Beetle. Inside the stolen car were three sets of ID cards belonging to female Florida State University students, twenty-one stolen credit cards, and a stolen television set. Bundy often recounted that in times of his heights of mania, he would go on shoplifting binges for things he wanted. And it seemed that murder had not curtailed these habits. Perhaps it was an outlet to get a thrill or an adrenaline high before he could murder again, but the true cause is unknown. A secret Bundy would take to the grave with him, undoubtedly like many others. Also found in the car were a pair of dark-rimmed non-prescription glasses and a pair of plaid pants. This was later identified as the disguise of Richard Burton Fire Department in Jacksonville. There he is again. Dick Burton Fire Department. Fire Department. <laughs> Fire Department man. Officer David Lee was unaware that he had just arrested one of the FBI's 10 most wanted criminals that morning. As he was transporting the suspect to jail, Lee would hear Bundy say, quote, I wish you had killed me, unquote. I mean, I'm sure he did, because then he wouldn't have to... He'd get a really cool story out of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Very dramatic, almost I escape. I Ted Bundy. Yeah. Bundy's trial for the Chi Omega murders began on June 25th, 1979, in Miami, Florida. The trial was televised nationally in the U.S. and was covered by 250 reporters from all over the world. Despite having five court-appointed attorneys, Bundy represented himself and provided his own defense. Polly Nelson, one of Bundy's attorneys, later wrote, quote, Ted was facing murder charges with a possible death sentence, and all that mattered to him, apparently, was that he be in charge. Prior to the trial, a plea bargain had been negotiated with the prosecution in which Bundy would plead guilty to killing Lisa Levy, Kimberly Leach, and Margaret Bowman in exchange for a 75-year prison sentence. Bundy saw the deal as a means to avoiding the death penalty and also as a tactical move. As he could enter the plea, and then years later, when the evidence had either disintegrated or disappeared altogether, and witnesses had either died or retracted their testimonies, he could file a motion and secure an acquittal. However, at the last moment, Bundy refused the deal. 
Mike Minerva, another of Bundy's attorneys, said, quote, It made him realize he was going to have to stand up in front of the whole world and say he was guilty. He just couldn't do it. Gave up the deal of a lifetime and That's right what there. somebody said, too. That yeah. I think it was the DA actually said that exact thing. He was like, Bundy just gave up the deal of a lifetime. Oh, yeah. And that's where I got it. Like, yeah. That's 100%. He was right. That was the deal of a lifetime. And he just, nope. Nope. Never I'd have to admit it. that I did it. And I don't want to. So. That would mean saying that I was in the wrong. So. And I no. won't give you the satisfaction. Which eventually he did anyway. So. Yeah. So, like, boy. Boy. <laughs> Boy. <laughs> During the trial, Chi Omega sorority member, Connie Hastings, placed Bundy near the Chi Omega house that evening, and Nita Neary testified to seeing Bundy leaving the sorority house clutching the oak murder weapon. Forensic Dennis, Richard Suveron, and Lowell Levine matched castings of Bundy's teeth to the bite wounds that were left on Lisa Levy's left buttock. It took the jury less than seven hours to convict Bundy on July 24th, 1979, for the murders of Margaret Bowman and Lisa Levy, as well as three counts of attempted first-degree murder for the assaults on Kathy Kleiner, Karen Chandler, and Cheryl Thomas, and two counts of burglary. And a partridge in a pear tree. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> While we're at it, let's just throw the burglary charge. Let's just throw the whole too. kitchen sink at him. <laughs> you know what? Also, you were jaywalking. And the whole kitchen. <laughs> and the kitchen. <laughs> And I think you were on your phone in the car. You were on your phone. Phones aren't even invented, <laughs> yeah. you witch. Um, cell phones aren't even invented. No. Oh, well, you know what I mean. Everybody here should speak Lauranese by now. I got you. Thank I understood you. what you meant. But I just like, she's like, phones weren't even invented. What year are you in? <laughs> cell phones. Are you Mobile phones. Are you traveling in time right now? The Zach Morris <laughs> phone wasn't invented yet. Oh, no. I, we had one of those. Oh, good Lord. Oh. So did we. <laughs> They were heavy. I could have committed a felony with one. I'm surprised Ted Bundy didn't. Well, they they weren't. A, how bitch? How old do you think I am? Yes. It literally says January nineteen eighty. So like, uh, we had we didn't something. have one until ninety. Lethal oh. Weapon is the first movie to have the use of a cell phone, and it's one of the ones with a fucking battery pack, and the phone is a, a oh, regular it, phone corded down to it. Yeah, and that was eighty. So yeah, this true. Well, fair. On January 7th, 1980, Bundy's trial in Orlando began for the kidnapping and murder of Kimberly Leach. Unlike the trial in 79, Bundy allowed his attorneys to represent him. They tried to secure an insanity plea, which was the only possible defense with how much evidence the state had against Bundy. During the trial, Bundy displayed fits of anger, was slouched in his chair, and his normal, quote, collegial look was sometimes replaced with a haunting glare. He was found guilty after less than eight hours of deliberation, primarily due to the testimony of an eyewitness who saw Bundy leading Kimberly from the schoolyard to his stolen van, as well as the unique clothing fibers in evidence that were found in Bundy's van and on Kimberly's body that matched the fibers from Bundy's jacket that he wore when he was arrested. During sentencing, Bundy called Carol Boone to the stand as a character witness and then asked her to marry him. Bundy, quote, took advantage of an obscure Florida law that stated that a marriage declaration in court made in front of a judge constituted a legal marriage. Carol later gave birth to Bundy's daughter, Rose Rosa Bundy. While she had been convinced of his innocence, Carol later divorced Bundy upon realizing that he was guilty of the horrific crimes he was accused and charged of. Bundy was convicted of yet another death sentence and, 
as it was announced, Ted reportedly shouted, quote, tell the jury they were wrong. Well, Bill, I could co- corroborate uh, something on virtually every one of the, I mean, uh, almost without a doubt on every one of these in one way or another. I mean, that's the, the uh, I don't think anybody doubts that, uh, that I've done some bad things. The question is what, of course, and, and how, and, and maybe even most importantly, why. Um, and uh, I, I'm not, you know, I make no bones about it. I am looking for an opportunity to tell the story as best I can in a way that makes sense to me and the way that will help not just you or the families, but that's very important, but also to help my own family. You see, I saw the look in my stepson's eyes yesterday after he had been told for the first time that you see he's always believed in his heart I mean he always wanted to believe that I had never done anything like this as hard as it may be for you to believe that there are people who do believe that like then there are people close to me who believe that I mean that was a distinct and that demeanor was a distinct departure from the first trial right where he was like very like like, tried to be, like, witty and charming and was, like, very personable. And, like, this one, he just kind of sat and was quiet and just kind of, like, glared the entire time. He slouched in his chair. And, yeah. But I'm telling you, he knew that there was going to be a biopic about his life. He was up in the dramatics. Well, and that's what the, some of his attorneys said, that they said during the first trial they were they wanted to go for, like, an incompetence thing because they are like, we're pretty sure he was so focused on just wanting to showboat and basically show off and the narcissist took over Mm -hmm. that they're like, we knew he didn't understand what he was up against. Like he wasn't comprehending the, the process and the things because granted he was a law student. Yes, but he never finished law school. He wasn't actually a lawyer. So he didn't pass the bar exam. So not a lawyer, but he was like, so convinced that I can do this. Like I got this. I've got this. I took a psychology class once and I think I can profile this. Yeah. And his attorneys were like, but you don't, though. We can see from the outside that you're not all there. Like, this is a dog and pony show for you. And it's not, it's so much more serious than that. And he just wasn't comprehending the gravity of it. Right. Like, first of all, you don't even have the experience. Yeah, you never practiced before. Like, you yeah. Never practiced. Yeah, it's like, you didn't all pass you your know, bar exam. Like, all you know is probably what you've seen on TV or in movies and or something. And that kind of seemed like what he was doing. Exactly. He was Matt emulating yeah. that. <laughs> He didn't have Dick he Burton. Didn't, he didn't have the suspenders like Matlock. Now I'm just a big <laughs> country lawyer. A lawyer. But yeah. I I do agree with you that it was literally just his narcissism that he was like, oh, no, just, yeah. I got this. Like, like I, they're not I gonna, know better than you. And well, that was the thing please, is like he would stop to like talk me. with reporters and stuff. And that's uh, also what some people said or the press that would see him. But in the trial, they were like, he was very convinced that he was going to get away with it because he was so charming mm-hmm. that he was just like, I'm just going to charm the pants off of everybody. And they're not going to be able to convict me because look how, you know, magnanimous and like amazing I am. Like, like his personality was magnetic and he was so convinced that that was going to get him off. Like the evidence didn't matter. The bite evidence, he didn't care about that. He was just like, yeah, they're going to like me and they're just not going to convict me because they're they're not going to believe that I could ever do something. Exactly. But then when the verdict came back, it was like all the air went out of the room Mm -hmm. and he was even like, they said his facial expression was like stunned. Just 
he wow. was crestfallen and just shocked. Oh, absolutely. Because he was like, how did the... Impossible. Exactly. Yes. He was... Inconceivable. So by the time the second trial came around, the one for Kimberly Leach, it was like he was just in a mood. Yeah, yeah exactly. And was and already they... like... That's another thing that you see in uh, in serial killers a lot. The whole ego trip. Mm-hmm. The I'm better than than everybody. The people that are yeah. coming after me. Yeah, I'm smarter so, and better Zodiac, than everybody. You know, oh yeah. Calling pe- or uh, calling the police and being like, hey, the bodies are over here. You'll never catch me though. Yeah, you're too dumb to catch me. Yeah. I'm smarter than everybody. He, you know, he always had to be the smartest man in the room. This is the Zodiac and- speaking. We'll do an episode on that later. Calm down. Calm your tits. I'm excited. And <laughs> <laughs> it kind of goes back to BTK, too, where yeah. he was so cocky and, like, just... Like, you mailed letters from your own church, dumbass. <laughs> yeah, with his spit <laughs> on them. With his he's like, spit on the say, stamp. You're not going to test this, are you? No. As <laughs> I lick the system. whole envelope. Yeah, like, I was like, dude, but like... be like, but you promised. Like... <laughs> Y'all liars. <laughs> like, you, and you murdered people. Like, we're not, let's, come on now. I may murder people, but, but at, at least, least I'm I, not a liar. At least I do it honestly, <laughs> damn it. It's an honest living. I mean, oh, to be fair, oh. he was a liar. He, he told people he wasn't going to kill him, and then he did. And then oh, yeah, did, absolutely. So. <laughs> but it's, like, the same thing yeah. of, of Ted's mentality, where it's, they're so, they think so highly of themselves and put themselves on this pedestal that they're just, like, I will never, ever be caught. Yeah. Right. Also very similar to, like, teenagers and mortality and stuff. Mm, they don't like, think they're going to die. You like YOLO, you, and then yeah. they swallow a Tide Pod and die. You idiots. You fucking <laughs> idiots. Oh, my God. Step off your soapbox. You t- <laughs> my Tide Pod box. Your Tide Pod box. <laughs> you, tell, you tell him he gonna die? <laughs> you tell him he gonna die? <laughs> All right. I'll take the post-trial. This insistent proclamation of innocence ended shortly after the conclusion of the Leach trial in 1980. Bundy agreed to do several interviews with Stephen Mashad and Hugh Ainsworth, though he made sure to speak mostly in the third person, as if a part of him was still holding on to his claim of innocence. It was in these interviews that Bundy began to reveal certain details and thought processes behind the murders. He confirmed a thought that Kendall had originally hypothesized back in her 1975 interview with Detective Jerry Thompson. He was a thief and had actually shoplifted every item of value he owned. He was quoted saying, The big payoff for me was actually possessing whatever it was I had stolen. I really enjoyed having something that I wanted and gone out and taken. This provided the building block for his explanation for the murders as well. He said that sexual assault fulfilled his need to, quote, totally possess his victims. It originally was not about murder, however, like potato chips. Once he started, he couldn't seem to stop. The ultimate possession, he had stated, was in fact the taking of a life, and then the physical possession of the remains. Mashad and Ainsworth were not the only ones Bundy confided in. He also spoke with Special Agent William Hagmeyer of the FBI Behavioral Analysis Unit. Hagmeyer noted a, quote, deep, almost mystical satisfaction that Bundy had taken in murder in general. He said that after a while, murder was not just a crime of lust or violence, Hagmeyer was quoted as saying. He continued, stating Bundy's own words, It becomes possession. They are a part of you. The victim becomes a part of you, and you two are forever one. And the grounds where you kill them or leave them become sacred to you, and you will always be drawn back to them. Bundy told Hagmeyer, presumably somewhat laughingly, that in his early years he was a, quote, amateur, impulsive killer, and that he was, quote, in his prime in 1974, around the time of Linda Healy's murder. 
This was the first reference he had made to any murders occurring before 1974. Bundy's old habits of attempting escape did not quell with time. In 1984, he was caught with two hacksaw blades in his cell. Upon further investigation of his cell, it was discovered that a steel bar in one of the cell's windows had been sawed through and then put back into place using a homemade soap-based adhesive to avoid suspicion. Perhaps sensing that the day his death sentence was to be carried out was drawing nearer with every passing day, Bundy was beginning to grow desperate. Attempts at escaping were proving futile, as the guards had grown wise to his antics. So what was Bundy's next logical step? To prove he still had some usefulness to the police department. How did he get hacksaws? I'm wondering about the hacksaws, and I'm also, like, soap-based adhesive? Well, oh. he I guess he would used to get, because he would get visits from Carol Ann Boone mm-hmm. During mm-hmm. J- when he was in on death row. Yeah, because they would, like, bribe the guards and stuff right typically yeah. well and then he's he did like a lot of drugs he claimed she oh, would yeah. like smuggle in drugs to him vaginally mm-hmm. and he would take them back rectally to his cell apparently but he smoked a whole lot of weed and did a whole lot of drugs and he said that was like kind of par for the course for death row that most of the guys on death row were like doing a fuck ton of drugs gotcha. right and like he would Got get nothing to lose yeah and he would get fucked up all the time mm-hmm. pretty much so like it's at some point, he, somebody had to have smuggled them into him. Gotcha. Well, as I said, the hacksaw blades, they also could have been, uh, a lot of prisons have shops. Have a shop, yeah. Gotcha. Um, they make yeah. stuff, yeah. In October of 1984, Bundy contacted Robert Keppel and offered to share his expertise into the mind of a serial killer. Police were on the hunt for the Green River Killer in Washington, and Bundy was sure he'd be able to help them find the, quote, River Man, as he called him. This nickname would even become the eventual title of Keppel's book, The River Man, Ted Bundy and I Hunt for the Green River Killer, available now on Audible. Ding! (laughs) Keppel noted in a later interview that Bundy's habit of speaking about the crimes of the Green River Killer in the third person helped their investigative team tremendously, as the average person can't typically get into the mind of a serial killer themselves. He also noted that the things Bundy claimed the, quote, river man was doing must have also been subtle confessions to the things he himself had been doing when committing his own atrocities. He suggested that the killer was most likely revisiting his dump sites to engage in sexual intercourse with the bodies and told them that they should find a fresh grave, stake it out, and wait for the killer's return. Bundy's claims were accurate. However, it would take a full 17 years before the Green River Killer would be brought to justice. Intrigued? Well, you should be. But that's another story for another day, Spooky Nation. That's true. Mm. I think it was, what, 2002 they finally caught him? It was 2002, yes. Yeah. And that is a uh, long story. That's a long one. That's a long one. (laughs) thought this one was long. (laughs) Now, it is widely believed that Bundy wanted to help out with the hunt for the Green River Killer in order to buy himself more time. But this ghoul babe has another thought. What if he had heard the stories of the Green River Killer's exploits and became jealous? He couldn't escape from prison to further rack up his his body count, and here was this person running free with a similar M.O., carrying on without being caught. Now, while I do definitely think that he was trying to prove to police that there was still use left in him to extend what little of his life he had remaining, I do also think, for a narcissist like Bundy, jealousy also helped the decision along. The, if I can't do it, you can't either. If I can't have if I can't have fun, then you can't either. So me me me. It's like the older sibling that like when when the parents say, "Oh, let your younger sibling play with the toy," they break the toy. 
and then go, okay, here you go. Yeah, like, oh, well, you can have it now. I'm done with it. Now I'm done, done with it. I'm bored mm. with it now. And also, this was occurring in Washington, which is like... Yeah, his stomping ground. <laughs> my old stomping grounds. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and it could also be that he... So, he's in prison. This is still going on. He took a massive hit to his ego during the trial. Oh, so, right. now he's trying to definitely boost up being like... I am really smart, you guys. Yeah, like, I'm seriously mm-hmm. smart, y'all. Like, I am I'm so going to crack this. Like, SMRT. <laughs> you guys are S-M-R-T. silly. I could do this. <laughs> another, uh, okay, yeah. No, I doesn't. <laughs> another another way of him being like, I'm better than you guys. Yeah. I can't yeah. believe you didn't figure this out on your yeah, own. You like, needed my help. You need my help to catch this guy, because obviously you can't do it by yourselves. <laughs> also, don't kill me. And I'm sure <laughs> well, they call that bones for time. Yes. Yeah, I I think I mentioned that later on the bones for time. He is probably in hell. Like once they caught the Green River Killer, being like, you know, if you kept me alive, you would have found him sooner. But whatever, <laughs> not yeah, bitter. I could always help with others. <laughs> Next now one. Now I'm dead. <laughs> now I'm dead. <laughs> Bundy would not live long enough to see his efforts come to fruition, though he still definitely tried. In early 1986, his execution date for the Chi Omega case was set for March 4th of that year. The date was quickly rescheduled, and in April, the new date was announced as July 2nd. Bundy, ever opportunistic, took that chance for one final desperate attempt to prolong his life. He confessed to Hagmeyer and Nelson to what they believed was a full range of his acts, including details of what he had done to some of his victims after their deaths. He confessed that he had visited his dump sites several times to perform sexual acts on their bodies until full decomposition made him stop. He said in Utah he had applied makeup to Melissa Smith's face after death. Makeup artist. <laughs> Ted Bundy makeup artist. <laughs> that's, a, that's a disturbing thought. <laughs> like, I kind of want to, I, I just want to know if he was good. I like, know how if he, was that eyeliner? I want to know. If, point? Yeah, was, I want to know if he did a good brow. <laughs> <laughs> does he do a red lip? I feel like he would do a red lip. I feel lip. like he's a red lip kind of man. Yeah. <laughs> but does he apply it with the lipstick or with a brush? Ah, uh, see, the real questions. And where did you, where'd you get the brushes? Where'd, where'd you, you get, get the makeup? Where'd you get the makeup, Ted? <laughs> I don't even have brushes. My brushes are all crap. <laughs> it was like, unless he was in a secret Avon lady. Right? Maybe. Live next door to an Avon lady. These shampoos have been in my car. <laughs> Maybe that was Ann Rule's skip profession. There we go. <laughs> she sold Avon as well. As on the side. side she had hustle. the papers in the office. And he's yeah. like, oh, my girlfriend would love would that. Would love this Aww, color. This geez. would look so good on her. She's an autumn. <laughs> was, last time, didn't she say she was a spring? Yeah, well. Well, no. I was wrong. I was wrong. She got a tan. <laughs> Wouldn't they all still be autumns, though? He had one type. That's true. That is true. Brunettes. Yeah. Brunettes with long hair parted down the middle. Thank God I'm a blonde. And Washington, so probably pretty pale. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> he did not like short hair, so I'm safe. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I have long hair parted down the middle. It's naturally blonde, though. And uh, dyed red. So, yeah. I don't check all the boxes. Just I mean, some of them. it's darker than blonde, and he did kill a blonde woman, too. Oh, that's true. One of his victims was blonde. Cool. So I would be on Bundy's list. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not. I don't know if most people would consider that cool. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, cool. <laughs> Especially since in the first episode, we uh, established that all of us yeah. would have helped him. That's you would have been true. dead for oh, sure. Oh, I'd have been so fucked. You'd have been first. 
<laughs> I'd have been first. You'd have been next. Yeah, probably. <laughs> probably. So in addition to uh, applying makeup, he also washed Laura Ames's hair. He decapitated 12 of his victims with a hacksaw and kept a few in his apartment before disposing of them on Taylor Mountain. This last-ditch effort to prove he was still full of useful information proved futile. However, fate intervened one more time, less than 15 hours before his scheduled execution. The 11th Circuit Court of Appeals stated that they were reviewing the Chi Omega case for multiple technicalities, including Bundy's competency to stand trial, as well as erroneous instruction from the judge during the penalty phase, which required the jury to break a 6-6 tie between life imprisonment and the death penalty. To this day, fun fact, this has never been solved. Hmm. Interesting. While this would have been enough to have kept Bundy on death row until he most likely died from natural causes in most cases, remember, he had another execution sentence to carry out, which was given to him as a way to make sure he couldn't weasel his way out of the death sentence. A new execution date for the Leach case was set for November 18, 1986, but once again, the 11th Circuit issued a stay the day before. This lasted until mid-1988, when the 11th Circuit ruled against Bundy's appeal. In December of 1988, a firm execution date was set at January 24th, 1989. I would like to note that his first attack was in January. Mm-hmm. And now his, his execution date is in, in January. January. Mm-hmm. Just something I noticed. <laughs> and everything comes full circle. Oh, yeah. And on January. And starts the year. And I was nine. <laughs> Yes. Once, <laughs> yes, I was nine when he was executed. We weren't born yet. Yep, I nope. know. Shut up. <laughs> I was right around the corner. I, I at least was you a were thought. close. You were you were a sperm still. I was I was a little swimmy. You were a swimmy. You were <laughs> a swimmy boy. I was a swimmy boy. <laughs> That's a long boy. <laughs> Once all of his appeals had fallen through, Bundy agreed to speak openly with investigators. He finally confessed that he had been guilty of all eight of the Washington and Oregon murders, and even described three previously unknown victims in Washington and two in Oregon. He refused to identify them, however, it remains unknown whether Bundy would have known the identities of any of his victims had he not been caught. Mm -hmm. He claimed to have a fifth corpse, the corpse of Donna Manson on Taylor Mountain, but said he had incinerated her head in Kendall's fireplace. He stated, quote, of all the things I did to her, this is probably the one she's least likely to forgive me for. Poor Liz. Bundy also described in graphic detail the way he had lured Georgianne Hawkins to his car, before rendering her unconscious with the use of his crowbar. He then drove her to Issaquah and strangled her to death before spending the night with her corpse. He also admitted that, for the first time, he had revisited the spot where he had abducted the girl the next morning. Amidst an active crime scene investigation, he found one of Hawkins' earrings and one of her shoes, which he gathered up and departed with, completely unnoticed by police. The balls. Oof. The, do take nerve. The audacity. Oh, do take nerve. The absolute brass pair of balls. Harry Potter and the audacity of this bitch. And the audacity of Ted Bundy. <laughs> Harry Potter and the audacity of Ted Bundy, now available on Audible. <laughs> Except that it isn't. Except it's not. Please don't go looking for that. It doesn't exist. It was as these confessions were going on that Bundy got another idea. He claimed that there were yet undiscovered remains buried in Colorado, but he refused to elaborate any further. This tactic was called Ted's Bones for Time scheme. Ding! Ding! <laughs> It actually backfired on him by making the authorities long to see his death sentence carried out on time. 
In cases where he had given a bit more information, investigations turned up nothing, proving that this was indeed just another manipulative tactic. There was only one option left, executive clemency. Diana Weiner, a Florida attorney and last love interest for Bundy, had the balls. The brass balls. Here we go again. Had the balls to ask families of victims in Colorado and Utah to petition to postpone the death sentence in order to hear more details about any undiscovered victims. Every single family refused to play his game, citing his attempts at negotiation using bodies of his victims was despicable. Yeah, Great job, pretty families. much, pretty much uh, sums it up. I love every single one of them said, "Fuck no, fuck off, <laughs> get off of my doorstep." Well, that and the, the fact that me. he was so adept at getting women to do what he wanted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like how many love interests did this guy have? Like there were so many, and they would just like, like um, Liz. Yeah, she basically stayed with him for six years. And kind of everything for him, bent over backwards for him. And then was kind of in denial. And then Carol Ann Boone, who basically was just like completely codependent Mm -hmm. with Bundy to the point that they had a kid together. And she only like divorced and got disgusted with the whole thing when he finally at the end, like right before his execution, he confessed. And because she thought he was innocent the whole time. Right. She's like, evidence, what's that? Yeah. (laughs) Evidence. And then she just kind of just put the blinders on. And then until he finally said, yeah, I did it. Just and then she was like, no. oh, fuck, okay. Oh, but then wow. he had another one that was an attorney and last love interest. It's like, dude, like he is real. Like that was the thing about him is like, even if he hadn't been a serial killer, he would have been an adept fucking manipulator. Yeah, oh, Like he would have no left a trail of women that would have done everything for him. And just like Manson. Yeah, just like, yeah, like, because he could have had his own cult. Like, seriously, if he wanted to. The cult of Bundy. Which was kind of like Jim Jones. Yeah, Yeah, kind of. A little bit. Another one we'll get to. We'll get get there. A later date. (laughs) On the eve of his execution, Bundy talked about suicide. He threatened to open up an artery so he would bleed out before they got the chance to execute him. He did not want to give them the satisfaction of watching him die. These threats were quelled, and Bundy was executed in the electric chair at 7.16 a.m. on January 24, 1989. As the execution was carried out, there were hundreds of people across the street from the prison singing, dancing, cheering, and even setting off fireworks celebrating his death. Several people even chased gleefully after the white hearse that carried Bundy's lifeless body away from the prison. His body was cremated in Gainesville, and his ashes were scattered in the Cascade Range of Washington State where he stated he had spent, quote, the best times of my life. Which is fucked up when you consider that's where a lot of his victims were. Right, and a lot of his victims were buried and were still buried and their bodies were never found. And what was, I guess, they had started gathering out that morning, the morning he was supposed to be executed, like because they had to be at the prison at five Mm -hmm. in the morning and the crowds were already starting to gather. And there were people, yeah, they have video of like these people just carrying on. Oh, yeah. And... The Hagmeyer was with him, I think, right? Because he's the one he told him, he's like, I could stick this pen in my throat and bleed out and I'll bleed all over you before they can execute me. Mm -hmm. And then Hagmeyer's the one that kind of talked him out of it because he was like, well, how many was the count you told me, Ted? He goes, 30. And Ted's like, yeah. And he's like, well, do you want to make it 31? He's like, do you want to like, he's like, doesn't matter if you're killing yourself. Isn't that still a murder? He's like, do you want to go with that on your conscience too? And Ted was like, fuck, you're right. 
Yeah, so he's he, basically wow. like, uh, also, where do you think you're going to go in the afterlife yeah. if you kill yourself? Yeah, so he kind of like, like talked him out of it. You got me again. Yeah, he goes, you got me again. And then they heard the singing and stuff. And people were singing outside. And Hagmeyer said, do you hear that? Does that bother you? And Ted goes, he went, he's like, they're crazy. He goes, they think I'm crazy, but they're crazy. And I honestly... Second time, I agreed with Ted Bundy on that one. I was like, right. these people were fucking nuts. They think I'm crazy. They were selling <laughs> shirts. They were selling electric chair pins. It was like, it was like, you want to talk um, despicable? It yeah. was disgusting. It's like back I in. I kind of want an electric chair pin. I mean, it's a cool <laughs> pin. <laughs> but it was, like... the guy was selling them for $5. I was like, no, motherfucker. No, get out of here. $5 back in for the a fucking pin. the 1600s when you would like take in a hanging you know like Orban, oh, we don't we have nothing to do and movies haven't been invented so why don't we just go down to the to the circle and watch this person hang from well the neck they would do that dead. and then during the french revolution when people would be guillotined they had to start pushing the crowds back mm-hmm. because people would get in a in a like a fury to get to the front where the blood was dripping down the scaffolding and dip their handkerchiefs and dip their like, to keep them as keepsakes. This is witchcraft. <laughs> I'm just saying. Fucking what? It's so interesting. Like, I caught the head. Human... I got the guy. I got the guy. <laughs> I got the guy. <laughs> but just, like, human nature. Because it dates back. Yeah. I'm all the way back to the Romans with the fucking lion pits. The pits, yeah. yeah. The gladiator pits. Like, and, the fact yeah. that we enjoy Coliseums. watching other people suffering. Yeah. And you can relate it. What's Nowadays. this wee shit? Well, because... <laughs> you got a mouse in your pocket? <laughs> if you relate it to now, yeah. shows like ridiculousness and funniest home videos Oh yeah, or people like, like that, getting hurt. It's people it's getting funny. hurt and we enjoy it. I will, ch- I will challenge though. There is never a video of somebody slipping on ice and falling that is not fucking funny to no, me. No, I agree. Same. Very like, no, I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's an 80-year-old woman. That shit is funny. <laughs> that shit funny. Or the butterfly that always gets yeah. me. But it's like, it's an interesting psychological and just anthropological study on the human mind and human behavior that for so long we've enjoyed seeing other people. Well, and even Bundy hurt. said that. Yeah, we, like, he said it's basically, it's like the the primal need for an eye for an eye. Mm, that that's, too, yeah. That's what it was. He's they like, kept on burn, Bundy, burn. Burn, yeah. yeah. And he's like, that's all it is. He's like, it's just, you know. And, and people that argue against the death penalty would kind of say that very exact thing. It's like, it's wrong to kill anyone. Doesn't matter if it's the state or not. That's their argument. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of also shows capitalism because people are like, oh, yeah. I have an opportunity I'm gonna make to make money, money off of this. I'm going to sell shirts. Right. Gross. I'm going to sell $10 bottles of water. Yeah. Like, is that just like, that was just, that to me was just, ugh. that's it was skeevy and gross. And it was just. I don't want to say it's up there with the murders. No, like, it's not, it's that, not that bad. But it's, but it's, like it's a gross. Step below. Yeah, it's that... gross. Like if the murders were a 10, that's probably around like a six or seven. Yeah. That's just like nasty. A seven, yeah. And I was like, how are you any, well, whatever. Like, how can you say you're morally better? No. Like, you're also rejoicing at the death. Yes, he was a serial killer. Yes, he was a sociopath, but he was also a human being. You're rejoicing at the death of another human being. It would. I think it would be different had they gathered outside and they were silent. And, like, maybe they had signs for the deceased yeah. or something like that. And it was more of a 
paying respect for those that were or like killed. a candlelit vigil or something yeah. for the victims or something As like to being like yeah this was like Bundy. and it was a whole bunch of college kids too from like the colleges around florida no, exactly yeah. and they yeah. were getting rip to... they were getting rip ass drunk and most of these kids were like maybe 10 when the Kyle Omega murders happened. So they wouldn't even remember them and they wouldn't have even had any kind of conceptual knowledge. It was just an excuse to party and be fucking stupid. Basically. Exactly. If they had been like related to the victim yeah. or something, then you know what? Fine. Because I always say anybody against the death penalty has obviously never lost anybody. Mm-hmm. But but the fact that it was like, it just seemed to me like an excuse for them to gather and be drunk and stupid. Right. Yeah. Agreed. And maybe get their five seconds of fame. And be on news televised. cameras, exactly. Make their money off of their... Did you see the shirts, too? They were shit. They were shit. Like I was that, like, what, what kind of hand-drawn like, what ass? kind of hand-drawn swap meat ass <laughs> nonsense is this? It's like, I'm swap surprised it didn't say, ass. like, instead of, like, Ted Bundy, they misspelled it, like, Tad Bundy or Tad something. Tad Bondi? <laughs> Who is Tad Bondi? This is wrong. This is wrong. <laughs> Give me $10. Tad Bundy? <laughs> Like, there's a, the only thing it was missing was a bad airbrush job and some su- fucking sequins. It was, like, right up there with some swap meat fucking nonsense. Ooh, not good. Not good. It's not a cute look. It's not, <laughs> not a, a cute, cute look. look um, the last thing that I kind of wanted to touch on is a recent thing that came out. Like, legit, like, two weeks ago recent, roughly. Um, have you guys heard about Ty Ted Bundy? No. I have not. So around, I want to say the 29th or so of last month, 28th, 29th, um, the New York Post released an article um, about Ty Ted Bundy um, (laughs) because uh, the police in Thailand arrested Apachai Onkvizit, who is now being known as the metal casket killer. Um, Catchy. Very right? <laughs> I'm like, kind of a badass name. Right, I was gonna say, like, I, I saw, like, flames and guitar riffs come with that, like... Yeah, it's metal. It's, it's metal fucking, met- has fucking metal. Flame on it. Hi, I'm Lauren. I have synesthesia. <laughs> True story. <laughs> True facts. True facts about the Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Onkvizit, who is 40, 40 years old, is a wealthy property heir who was arrested in his home in Bangkok after the skeleton of his lover... Leather. His leather. His leather. Mm, she might have been after that. Peppa. Peppa. <laughs> Why did you lock the trunk, Peppa? Peppa. Why did you grab the crowbar? Is a wealthy property heir who was arrested in his home in Bangkok after the skeleton of his lover, Warathorn Cookkick uh, Chayet. Uh, Chayet. Chayet? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not Thai. I'm trying. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> She's tying. <laughs> I'm tying my. You know it's only okay when she best. does. <laughs> Fuck it's off. Not even okay then. No. Yeah. You know what? It's never okay. <laughs> We're all gonna keep doing it. <laughs> anyway, she was found wrapped in a plastic bag and buried on his property. Uh, she was only 22, and she had apparently suffocated in the metal container that he made her sleep in. Uh, so after they found the body. Thai police received a tip that at least two more women might have been thrown into Ankh uh, Visit's pond. And they even said, like, oh, he has alligators and things in there, carnivorous fish, so that when he throws the body in there... It eats it. They eat it. Handy. Right. Uh, so divers searched the pond, and they found 298 human bones. Which is almost one whole person. I'm going to yeah. say, that is almost It's 306, I think, for a whole person. 
Um, but while they did their dive, they didn't see any of these alligators or carnivorous fish. Uh. But they hope to drain the pond after several more reports have surfaced of missing women. Um, after the news was released, the relatives of twelve-year-old missing girl of a twelve-year-old missing girl who lived near him have come forward, fearing that she may have been one of his victims. The police colonel, Jirakrit Jurunpat, told the Sun, quote, The investigation has found several women who were involved with the culprit have disappeared. They include his friends, girlfriends, and prostitutes. He stated that they do not know at this time how many humans the 298 bones found in the initial search in the pond belong to. I just said almost one. Almost one but, whole human. But they could be all different. Yeah. yeah we don't know how many, like, necess- how many femurs, how many arm bones. Right. Like how, yeah. It's like technically, <laughs> yes. They're the summarily yes. This one person the has twelve moment. femurs. Let's say the scary moment is if it turns out to be two hundred fifty-eight femurs. Like, oh. yeah, because they didn't state which bones they what were. Kind of bones, just yeah. that they found two hundred and ninety-eight so far. So um, far, right? It's like, Ooh. could you imagine once they search more? I'm wondering the size of this fucking pond. pond? I mean, well, it had Thailand, to be big, so it's pretty big. But it had to have been big if it supposedly had alligators in it. Yeah, and plus he's like a property fish. heir. So. I also just figure people see big lizard in water, they assume alligator. Ah, alligator. <laughs> <laughs> that was a lizard, Chuck. <laughs> alligator. <laughs> I don't know who Chuck is. I'm just Hi, Chuck. Fucking spitballing hey, at this point. It's one, almost one in the morning. <laughs> I can tell you, Chuck is not a Patreon subscriber, and it needs to be fixed. Yeah. Yeah, Chuck. Yeah, Chuck. What, what, the f- Chuck? what the fuck, dude? What the fuck, Chuck? <laughs> what the fuck, Richard? <laughs> oh, and Richard too. Yeah. I do know a Richard. <laughs> oh, wait. Yeah, that's right. I do Hi, know Richard. Richard. Hi, Richard. He probably doesn't listen. Aw. Murder appears to also be a part of the family business. His father was arrested in 1983 on charges of murdering and dismembering a 15-year-old girl. Um, it was reported that his father attacked the young girl and dragged her away to kill after he, quote, saw her knocking on the glass of a fish tank at his market. Jesus Jesus. Christ. Don't tap the glass. I don't like it. <laughs> when they say don't tap the glass man you better not tap that glass oh they enforce it <laughs> uh, after killing the teen he cut her body into pieces and put them in a box uh Unfizit's mother who was accused of masterminding the crime fled abroad with his younger sister and then his father was later shot dead in what is believed to be a hit after his release from prison i would imagine so he killed a 15 year old girl like you gotta have a hit on yeah, you. Someone out, yeah, someone someone have to get your ass after that. Yeah. So things are still unfolding. So I'm interested to see where this is gonna go right. and what more they and uncover. how many more they'll find and how many. Has he admitted to anything or no? As far as I know, he hasn't. Um, they at least not in the several articles that I've read. Um, but some of the related articles talk about a tie Jack the Ripper. So mm. I'm kind of interested if we ever do like a foreign murderer type thing mm-hmm. um aside from the england ones yeah um right, so, yeah aside from merry old england yes yeah, you know it's we're going back to do that too <laughs> absolutely but yeah it would be interesting to see the different uh keeping up with this story international yeah. murderers 
keep the finger on the pulse of the international murder yeah, scene. Find out what Ty Ted Bunny's going to be doing. Right. And how many and what bones they were that they yeah. found. And how exactly. many bodies. I just want to know how many femurs. Yeah. How many femurs. And that's a pretty <laughs> good indication. That or jaw bones. Yeah. Like, yes. That's another one. It's like, you know, they only have like femurs is a little trickier because there's two. There's two of them. In each body. So. so you have to go, well, that could be one person if you find two of them. But like jawbones there's only one of those per body so it's like right. if you find 200 <laughs> jawbones that's a problem <laughs> unless there's some weird mutation where you have two jaws <laughs> i'm trying to imagine that what that would, would look like like a predator yeah there we go like a one predator chin that goes this way and one that goes goes this way. that way <laughs> just a b look like something from the upside down and fucking stranger things yes and on that note that is all the time we have for this week, Spooky Nation. Thank you for joining us. Get your fill of our shenanigans between episodes by checking us out on social media. We're on all platforms at This Spooky Nation. We are not as The Spooky Nation. We are as we The are Spooky, spooky Show. Spooky show. <laughs> we are not, as a matter of fact, on that. <laughs> this is incorrect. That, that is you not correct. are The Spooky Nation. <laughs> we <laughs> are The Spooky Nation. If a fan nation. wants to make a fan Twitter that's called The Spooky Nation, we're actually okay with it. We that. are 100% for this. Oh, yes. I am so here for this. Guys. And you can fill it with your fan art. Come on. Ooh. Ooh. I've been wanting fan art. Yeah. Well, just really want to be drawn. That's true. You like French one of your girls. French girls. <laughs> <laughs> you piece of shit. <laughs> you piece of shit. <laughs> oh, God damn it. Here we go. We should... We, we should get the listeners in on this one. <laughs> we have a game. It's pick pick any movie quote and add you piece of shit at the end. Get at us on social media and tell us your best ones. Yes, Ooh, that's a good one. Fun yeah, challenge. There's some good ones. Uh, you can also stop by our Patreon page and become a patron. Or you can let your freak flag fly by picking up some of our merch. Or even just listening to our past catalog of episodes wherever you get your podcast fixed. And last but not least, check us on YouTube, where we will be posting more video recordings, live investigations, and guests. Yes. One more time, that is uh, This Spooky Show on all social media platforms. Yes. 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 This <laughs> Spooky Show, not This Spooky Nation. Yeah. Also, quick change, our website has changed. We are no yes. longer thisspookyshow.wixsite.com slash thisspookyshow. We are just thisspookyshow.com. Nailed it. Nailed it. I, I was outvoted for WeBadBitches.com. I mean, no. that's the side site, honestly. <laughs> it's thisspookyshow.com slash WeBad. No, it's not. <laughs> you type that in, it's going to break. Don't I do feel, that. I feel like, so on that note about the Twitter, that we should start at some point, once we get more than one patron, we should start a side hint, either, hint. Uh, a hint, hint, that we should start either a side uh, patron account on Insta or mm. on Twitter that's mm. called Spooky Nation. I love that. That's for patrons only. Yeah, so I like it. Get on it. Get to those patrons. Just Chuck. Spit, just spitball and Chuck. Come on, Chuck. Richard. Get it together, Chuck. Get your shit together, Larry. Chuck. And Larry. <laughs> Larry. Larry. And, and we Richard. Larry, we can let Larry off with a warning. No. <laughs> this time, Larry. If you let him off with a warning, he will never learn. And he will just do it again. Also, take this time. This We'll take this time. Brains. <laughs> also, we'll take this time just to kind of say hi to Brad. Hi, Brad. Hi, Brad. Hi, Brad. <laughs> Enjoy Disney World. Yes, he's our patron. Yes. And we love him. And we he's adore always him. going to Disney, and I'm jealous. <laughs> and she is See, jelly. He can confirm alligators. He's going to Disney World, 
They yeah. got alligators. He has alligators in his front fucking yard. Please confirm, Brad. <laughs> oh, I've seen the pictures. I've seen photos. He is precious. <laughs> <laughs> The, the alligator. Well, Brad as well. You're precious. <laughs> I was like, which one? Who are you <laughs> no, talking, talking about? about the, the alligator. The alligator like, oh, I have seen the pictures and he is just fresh. <laughs> I just looked and went, and this is Florida. Yeah, There's basically. an alligator in your front goddamn yard. <laughs> That's really like all of the Southeast. That's when I would like step out of my Florida. door. I would see that. I would immediately get in my car and get on a plane and go somewhere where there's not fucking alligators in my front fucking yard. <laughs> so it wasn't a lizard in water? No, it was a okay. <laughs> It was a gator. Join us in two weeks for our next episode where we pit legendary cryptids against each other mm-hmm. in episode 17, King of Monsters, Cryptid Throwdown. Ooh. I love it. <laughs> that, that one's going to be a fun that one. That one's going to be fun. <laughs> All right, guys. Stay, stay spooky, spooky, friends. There is just absolutely no way to describe first the brutal urge to do that kind of thing and then what happens is once it it has been more or less satisfied and recede you might say or spent that, that sense that kind of energy level recedes and basically I became my myself again I, I want people to understand this too and I'm not saying this gratuitously because it's important people understand this that basically I was a normal person uh, I, I, I wasn't uh, some guy hanging out uh, at bars or a bum or uh, I wasn't a pervert in the sense that you know people look at somebody and say I know there's something wrong with him and just tell I mean I I was essentially a normal person. I had good friends. I, I, uh, I led a normal life, except for this one small but very potent and very destructive segment of it that I kept very secret and very close to myself and didn't let anybody know about it. Thank you.